0: What's cooking, everybody? It's Wednesday, September 16th. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. And this is the Poor Couple's Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast, where we do a deep dive on all your favorite foods. I'm your host, Poor Couple's Food Guide Eric, a.k.a. The Goose, a.k.a. Little E. And with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Poor Couple's Food Guide Meg, a.k.a. Le Skunk, a.k.a. Megane. Hello. And together, we are the right proper frugal couple of blokes. We hope you're hungry for some tasty knowledge facts, because today your main course is going to be some chicken tikka masala. All right, let's get ready with this week's appetizers. So, we managed to snag ourselves a box of Malamars today at ShopRite.
1: It was literally the last box on the shelf. It
0: was. We actually, like, got to the, like, cookie section, looked up, and it was the top shelf, and it said Malamars, and, you know, for the It looked empty. Scoot, it was empty. And, like, when I say the top shelf, I mean, like, the top, top shelf. Like... To the point that we were like, oh, they don't have any left. Meh. But then, like, you stood on your tippy-toes. You saw there yeah. was a box all the way at the back. So we had to, like, do on some... it, like, flat down, yeah. too. It wasn't,
1: like... Oh.
0: Like, so we had to do some, like, friggin', like, big kid <laughs> gymnastic <laughs> fucking procedure and, like, hoist you up <laughs> in the air. And then you were able to, like, reach up <laughs> there. And there was, like, some old lady who was looking at us. It was probably like, oh, these stupid kids being joyful getting the treats. <laughs> Whatever. More cookies for us, less cookies for her. I bet she's just, like, sad because her husband's probably dead and she doesn't get to eat Malamars anymore.
1: You can eat Malamars when your husband's dead?
0: Well, no, I meant she's old or whatever, so she can't have sugary stuff, or oh, she's okay. old and just doesn't care for sweet things anymore.
1: I thought that was an unspoken, like, rule of no, being a widow, just no, like, no. your your spouse dies, no more Malamars. Your spouse <laughs>
0: is dead. You don't get to feel any joy ever again. No food, no game, nothing, no great no, anything. Everything fun has to be gone. <laughs> only sadness uh but yeah that got us thinking about like our favorite like childhood like snacks and treats and all that shit and goodies um i mean like i i honestly confession time this is a bunch of a confession but just in general like pet peeve of mine is people going like ah, that's my childhood ah, everything that's my childhood. It's, just, it's just so overused but um yeah i couldn't think of a better way to describe it. so let's say uh, we wanted to talk about our, like, favorite foods that we ate when we were kids in the mid to late 90s, if that is not too lengthy. But, yeah, so what kind of what kind of cool stuff did you have, like, packed into your, like, lunch or, like, you took school with you? Like, I know you got lunch a lot, but surely uh-huh. you had to have some, like, gushers or something with you once Yeah, in a while. obviously
1: I had gushers. Who didn't have gushers?
0: Uh, <laughs> ooh, um... Do uh, you not have gushers? I did not have. Oh, wait, gushers. you don't like gushers, right? I don't like gushers. They uh, they kind of gross me out. I feel like I'm eating an eyeball. <laughs> eh, They're
1: good though. Well, you had string things, right?
0: I loved string things. String things are like the one thing where uh, there's a million products out there that everyone goes on about. Like, oh, they don't make this anymore. That's my childhood. It's missing. It. Like, that's the one thing that, like, that's the one like dumb like radical '90s snack that like I actually do miss. Yeah. Like if if any of our listeners don't remember string things or never had them or whatever here's a refresher string things were like it basically it was it was a gel fruit chewy thing kind of like fruit by the foot or fruit roll up but instead of it being a sheet what they did was like you got a like a, a wax paper sleeve and they just like poured out, like, the fruity jelly stuff in, like, designs. Like, it was like yeah. a line.
1: It was kind of like... I mean, I don't even know if they... If they still make those, like, pull-apart Twizzlers, it was yeah. kind of like one strand of the pull-apart Twizzler yeah. just, like, wriggled around into a yeah, design. Or if you've
0: ever had, like, uh like strawberry lace or licorice lace, like, that kind of stuff, where it's, like, a chewy string thing. Hence yeah. the name String yeah. Thing, I guess. Good name, by the way, guys. Uh Yeah, but they, like it just got poured onto like the paper sheet in like cool designs and stuff. And you just, you pulled pulled it it up, you pulled it off of the sheet and it came up as a little, as a rope, as a string guy. And it was like chewy and fruity and probably didn't contain any fruit (laughs) whatsoever. But like, who cares? It's, it's, it's a fun, yummy snack. So
1: do they still make fruit by the foot and fruit roll up or are those gone too?
0: I feel like I've seen fruit roll ups and fruit by the foot's, in stores is it fruit by the feet fruit by the feet or fruit by the foot that's a good question <laughs> do you think in britain they call it like fruit by the yard or no yard is american fruit meter. by the meter maybe um yeah I butcher that joke <laughs> yeah i don't i'm i'm pretty sure like i've seen fruit by the foot I don't. Well, I I don't know. We'll do look next time. Yeah, let's check it out next time. We were in that aisle because I'm pretty sure it's in the cereal aisle because that makes sense. Put the (laughs) like the the friggin' fruit tape in the same aisle as the Cheerios. Well,
1: because they're by the like granola bars, which are like granola bars are the bridge between cereal and like the fruit snacks.
0: That's true. Yeah, they're they're a chewy, fun snack. So they're in the middle. They're in they're a good meeting ground. Yeah, fruit roll-ups though. Like they still are gonna make fruit roll-ups. Like I, I remember my favorite fruit roll-up was the pizza designer one. Did you ever have that?
1: I don't think I did.
0: Really? You I remember
1: the tongue miss, tattoo. Miss ones. pizza.
0: You never had the pizza fruit roll. It wasn't pizza flavored. <laughs> like let let me get that out of the way immediately. It was not pizza flavored. What it was was it was fruit by uh, fruit roll-up. This fucking things always. fucking <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fruit roll ups, and you know how they had like the punch out ones where yeah. like you'd like peel out, out? What they had was they had a little piece of pizza that you peeled off. It was like a little bit smaller than your hand, and then on the side, there were little toppings like there was like pepperoni, there were like uh, mushrooms, peppers, like all like shapes and stuff. So you took the little like fruit roll up pizza, and then you put the little toppings on it, and you went. And you you ate it, mm-hmm. and you ate it like it was a, a really, really flat, sugary piece of pizza.
1: I don't remember. I remember the, like, punch-out one, and I remember the tongue tattoo ones. But I don't remember specifically the pizza one. Um,
0: I think they were, like, they also, they were, like, tie-dyed or something, or, like, the, the multicolor ones. So, like, it was cool because, like, the yellow part was where you got the slice, the pepperoni was in the red, the yeah. peppers were in the green. I feel like the mushrooms are in the green too. <laughs> eh. But yeah, that uh honestly I'm shocked you've never had that. But uh yeah, uh we saw. So, I mean, hell. We mentioned on Instagram, I don't think we mentioned on the podcast, but like No, I think
1: we did. We dunk, said we got them, we were gonna eat them. Yeah,
0: Dunkaroos are back, and um I gotta say not crazy the way they're handling it because yeah, they don't
1: sell it in like multi-packs anymore yeah, dunkaroos just
0: individual yeah dunkaroos you used to get like six in a box and they were smaller but now they come in these like giant fucking it's like the size of like your your hand it's a big old thing and because of that they're more so they're like two bucks each which is like yeah. not expensive but like i don't know compared to like i don't know I think of the multi-pack. Don't pretend like
1: we used to know what things cost when we were kids. I am. I cannot know,
0: but I have to estimate. It was more cost-effective. It probably only cost a few dollars to get six small ones than two dollars for one giant one. I'm just Fair guessing. Uh, you know what? If you, I'll, I'll call my mother, I'll be like, "Mom, <laughs> it's ten o'clock at night. Do you remember what you paid for Dunkaroos in in 1997?" And she's like, "What the fuck, are you ta- Dunkaroos?" <laughs> that's 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 an exaggeration either my mother swears like a sailor where do you think i got my spicy new york attitude from i got it from her obviously (laughs) oh man yeah but uh all right i think we've talked enough about this because we've got some super duper savory dinner food to talk about for this week's episode so i guess let's move on to this week's main course Chicken tikka masala is a delicious curry dish made with a creamy, lightly spiced tomato sauce and marinated chicken pieces that are traditionally cooked in a tandoor oven or sometimes in modern times on a grill. It's incredibly popular all over the world. Chicken tikka masala is more or less like the chicken fingers of Indian food because holy shit is it delicious. Everybody likes it. It's great and you can get it almost anywhere. It's like It's pretty likely if you've ever eaten at an Indian Pakistani restaurant before, you've had chicken tikka masala at least once. And with good reason too. The curry sauce that it's served with, it has a ton of nuanced, yummy, spicy flavors in it. But unlike some curries, which are like a bit more like in your face, the masala sauce in it, it's like, it's subtle and it's smooth and oh, so good.
1: Part of the reason it's so velvety and light is because towards the end of cooking, the tomato spice sauce is mixed with cream, which lightens it into a delightful, cheery red-orange color and cuts back on some of the harsh acidity that tomato sauces tend to have. It is worth noting here that chicken tikka and chicken tikka masala are two completely different dishes, believe it or not. Chicken tikka on its own is chicken that gets marinated in a curry paste, skewered, and then baked or grilled kebab style.
0: Yeah, however, chicken tikka masala is when you take that finished chicken and you simmer it in the aforementioned spicy tomato sauce. Yeah, I I know, it's already kind of confusing, but but bear with us, because, well, this episode is only to get more and more confusing as we go on, unfortunately. That reminds me, in the context of this podcast, let me offer up this disclaimer from the beginning to clear things up. For the sake of frankness, simplicity, and, well, honestly, just to make it easier, we'll be using the two names chicken tikka and chicken tikka masala interchangeably. We understand that the two are different foods with different designations, however, saying the full chicken tikka masala over and over and over again every time is quite a mouthful, which sadly isn't as wonderful as having an actual mouthful of chicken tikka masala. So bear with us for the next hour while we pretend that they're the same thing. Thank you.
1: Chicken tikka is extremely popular the whole world over, as we mentioned. Probably one of the most popular curry dishes out there. Hell, even people that don't enjoy curry have probably had chicken tikka at least once before. Specifically, it is definitely one of the most popular dishes in the United Kingdom, especially. Which makes sense, considering that the UK does love its curries.
0: Yeah, in true British fashion, they just sort of co-opted another people's culture and cuisine to make up for the fact that they don't really have much themselves. Oh, what's that, Wilson? Fancy a bit of stargazy pie? Well, what's not to like? It's a bit of a crumbly pastry with some bloody fish heads sticking straight out of the top, quite like a delightful cherry pie and the like, but instead of sweet fruits and tasty sugary filling, you bake it with savoury eggs and potatoes, with a bit of dead fish poking their heads up through the crust they is, so they're quite literally gazing up at the stars. Stargazy pie, huh? Eh? that way all the rank mossy pilchard oil drains from the fish's entrails and permeates the entirety of the pie with a bit nice oceanic salty flavor truly british cuisine (laughs) it's fine. okay okay i'll stop i'll stop look listen i'm gonna try my hardest not to make fun of english food this episode i swear like i really i love you britain i really do but it's like it's your food just makes it so easy to make fun of really (laughs)
1: <laughs> honestly, that's part of why we wanted to do this episode. Besides the fact that we just like really like chicken tikka masala. Yeah. <laughs> but like we like to joke around about how bad food in the UK is, so we wanted to feature something that's, you know, yummy.
0: Yeah, and in this case, curry actually happens to be my favorite food and also my super ultimate chef specialty. So honestly, I'd love to visit England one day so we can chunk out some of their awesome curry houses.
1: Right. There's a specific area in London referred to as the Curry Mile where a lot of curry houses are located. That place must smell so good.
0: Yeah, and like, listeners, like, I know you're probably already thinking like, wait, I thought curries are from Asia. And you'd be right, chicken tikka masala, it has a bit of a confusing origin. But right now, we're supposed to be talking about what it is first in the overview. So let's keep moving and worry about that later. So, for starters, with chicken tikka masala, the sauce itself is its its kind of hard to pin down on the recipe, since it's, it's very much like a, a kind of dish that every restaurant and every company, every family, every individual all seems to have their own version of. So, there's no one clear-cut definition of it. However, there's a few common traits, at least.
1: The base of the sauce is usually made with tomato puree or tomato paste. As far as spices, it generally contains your usual suspects for curries, like cumin, cardamom, coriander, chili powder. Shit, I didn't realize how many curry spices start with C. I think cinnamon gets used in a lot of curries. Wait, and cilantro too. Hmm, you know, curry itself starts with a C.
0: Mm. Anyway, uh, for real though, seriously. You'll you'll also see stuff like paprika, turmeric, fenugreek, and garam masala too.
1: You're actually, like, you saying real words. You're just making things up.
0: <laughs> I think they're all real. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, Like, it, it's tricky. The ingredients list on curry, like, it gets so friggin' complex. Sometimes it's – honestly, it's kind of hard to keep track. You would think when, like, writing up these curry recipes, the author, like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if they're just, like – they just start listing every single ingredient they have in their cupboard. Just, like, pad out the recipe and make it, you know, look cooler, like – Okay, so let's see, what you're going to do is in a bowl, you're going to combine salt, pepper, cumin, nutmeg, cinnamon, coffee, cream of tartar, mace, and chives, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, pumpkin spice, apple pie spice, orange spice, sporty spice, scary spice, old spice, Chili powder, mustard powder, curry powder, ginger powder, garlic powder, onion powder, cocoa powder, powdered milk, powdered toast, toasted sesame, saffron, asafetida, togaroshi, amchor galangal, fiori di sicilia, furikake, melagueta, garam masala, basilia de oaxaca, nagella, pimente de espilete, and rue.
1: I mean, that's not that far off from most curry <laughs> recipes.
0: Ah, uh, wow. I'm impressed I pronounced all those pretty uh, pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah, needless to say, most curries and chicken tikka especially get a shit ton of like really yummy spices added into their sauces, uh, you know, to make it, well, spicy. Not spicy spicy as in your mouth is on fire, but like spicy as in like it has lots of spices. Flavorful.
1: Yeah, that it gets confusing. When most people hear the term spicy, they think of hot peppers like with capsaicin, that stuff is what causes a burning sensation on the tongue. Meanwhile, there's no real official way to describe something that has a lot of nice earthy spices in it. Sometimes you see it referred to as pungency, but pungency doesn't usually have a positive meaning either.
0: Yeah, it's not really selling it very well. Like, you know, you tell people that they're earthy and pungent, they're probably going to take offense. I mean, you don't since you're the skunk, but you know, still most people.
1: Either way, we don't mean it has hot peppers in it when we say spicy, even though some places do add hot peppers in to give it some heat. <laughs> <sighs> all right all right
0: all right right. let's get another disclaimer out of the way in the context of this podcast we will be using spicy and spice to refer to chicken tikka masala containing a great deal of strong pungent spices that give most curries their trademark flavor we acknowledge that in general spicy denotes a presence of capsaicin found in hot peppers but for the sake of frankness implicit uh, you know what forget it we don't need another disclaimer it's our podcast our rules so we're calling it chicken tikka and we're saying it's spicy we know the difference we hope you do too but these show notes are getting really, really long already, so I don't know. I tell you what, if you listen to this podcast and you do feel the need to correct us, you can follow these handy instructions. First, pull out your phone, and then you go to com. click the About Us page, and then you just smash your phone straight onto the fucking ground as hard as you can. Just just smash it. Step on it. Because, like, what are you, what are you doing with your life?
1: <laughs> Reeling it back in. Um... So, yeah, you start with a spiced tomato sauce with curry-flavored chicken, and you add in some butter or ghee, which is fancy clarified butter used in Indian cuisine. You finish it by adding a generous amount of cream, which gives it this trademark orange color.
0: Yeah, the cream is what does it for me, personally. Like, even though it's, like, a nice spicy tomato sauce, the cream makes it, like, nice and, well, creamy. It's, It's smooth and rich, despite having all those nice warm spices so yeah that should uh that should about cover it you you cook your chicken tikka in the oven or on a grill and then you simmer it in a nice creamy spicy tomato sauce and bam chicken tikka masala wait a sec british people don't say bam do they uh what what do they say core blimey twat i mean they, they do say they, they <laughs> do like saying twat a lot
1: <clears throat> actually speaking of italian catchphrases Honestly, we had a pretty big revelation a few years ago when we realized that, well, chicken tikka masala, it's basically just the Indian equivalent of panayala vodka, which we covered in episode three of this podcast.
0: Yeah, seriously, we're we're not shitting around here, honestly. Like, think about this for a moment. Both of them are dishes that start with tomato sauce and spices, and they get finished off with cream. Both of them are really popular dishes in their respective ethnicities origins, so, for example, Penel vodka is found at a lot of Italian restaurants in America, and chicken tikka masala is found at a lot of Indian restaurants in England, but neither are actually popular in India or Italy.
1: Both are dishes, both of the dishes are surprisingly young. Only having been invented in the last 50 years or so, despite seeming like these old timey traditional dishes from centuries ago.
0: Yeah, and both of them are like rooted in one country's cuisine, despite having this like weird disputed origin because it's so popular in another country. So once again, vodka sauce has all these claims of its origins being invented in both like the United States and Italy. And chicken tikka has a lot of people claiming it was invented in both the UK and India. It's just so weird. They like they even look really similar. Like, if you put tikka sauce onto pasta, you could totally pass it off as penny a la vodka. Probably. Oh, yo. I just had the most absurd idea that would make millions of Indians and British people and Italian people weep and vomit furiously at the same time. Four words. Chicken tikka a la vodka.
1: I mean, hmm. I don't know whether that's the most genius idea you've ever come up with or if you're just uh, suffering a bit of a head injury. Did you hit your head at work today?
0: Uh, You know, just just like a couple of times. Anyway, now that we have that mentioned, uh, yeah, like chicken tikka masala, it does have a pretty contested history to it. A lot of people think they invented it. A lot of British people think it's an English food and then a lot of Indian people don't really eat it. So, checks out, but still, there's a lot of debate, so that's where we come in. We're going to dissect all those supposed origin stories for you, but later. Because first, we need to discuss the earlier dishes and food history that led up to the inception of chicken tikka in the first place. So, now that we know exactly what we mean when we say chicken tikka masala, let's dig into the earliest origins and inspiration for this week's topic. So, as mentioned, chicken tikka masala is a type of curry. Curries as a concept are pretty open-ended, and because of that, it's actually kind of hard to define what really constitutes a curry.
1: Weirdly, most Asian cuisines have some sort of curry, but it's relatively non-existent in the West.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, let's be real. Western food, honestly, kind of sucks for the most part, and we say that as a couple of white people. Like, uh, you know, Caucasians have accomplished a lot in the world, but... uh, Cuisine's never been one of our uh, fortes. Go ahead, like fight us, add us right now. Change my mind, our food sucks. Anyway, I guess considering most of the spices that are used in curries are native to Asia, so I guess it's not really that unexpected that the dish that is mostly contained to the Orient would have a lot of them.
1: Fortunately, due to the magic of cultural diffusion, curry is now readily available all over the world, especially in England.
0: Yeah, like, thank God, like, we actually live in a world where people of different cultures, like, can exchange knowledge and learn from one another and improve their own ideas. Like, really, I am a firm believer that variety is the spice of life. No pun intended, really. Uh, yeah, 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 I know there's a lot of drama and controversy about chefs cooking foods that belong to other cultures, and a lot of chefs get accused of cultural appropriation by some people, and, frankly, I say, fuck those people. Food is an art, and art is meant to be enjoyed by everyone. When you arbitrarily draw lines in the sand for who can and can't take an idea and run with it, you stifle creativity, and who, boy as an artist, nothing pisses me off more than to see the creative spark and the creative process restricted and censored. Really. Think about it. If everyone was only allowed to cook the food that was like their ethnicity and chefs weren't allowed to experiment with other cooking techniques and food, we probably wouldn't have like a third of all the modern versions of like cuisine that we know today. We'd all live in the most like unbelievably bland, shitty existence imaginable. Yeesh. Like really, like, let's put it this way. I'm totally okay with Japan making their, like, weird take on pasta, Spaghetti Napolitan, which is a spaghetti dish made using ketchup, of all things, as long as we get to keep making sushi. I think that's a pretty fair trade, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I still feel like our, like, Italian grandparents probably, like, whipped a tear up in heaven the time we made the, like, (laughs) Spaghetti Napolitan, like, watching us put ketchup on spaghetti, but i'm not gonna be mad at japan for it
0: exactly everyone gets a shot at everything
1: anyway back to curry specifically how do we define well a curry well it's sort of a loose grouping of foods with a collection of common spices and a few common qualities yeah for starters curries they usually tend
0: to be made up of like foods chopped up into small pieces though that's not always the case There's actually quite a few dishes that use whole pieces of meat right on the bones, so that's not necessarily defining quality in and of itself.
1: One thing you do see with nearly all curries is that they're served in a sort of sauce, almost like a thick stew. They're usually based with water, coconut milk, broth, tomato sauce, among other things. Vegetables and meats will be cooked in the sauce at low temperatures, which keeps them nice and juicy and tender and flavorful and succulent and mmm. Curry's so good.
0: Yeah, we should point out that there are also curry dishes referred to as dry curries, where there's like little or even no sauce at all, but it still contains all the same yummy spices and seasonings in the form of like a spice paste marinade or a rub. Uh, As far as perhaps like the most defining characteristics for a curry, it's, well, it's generally the spices. That said, there's no such thing as curry powder, so to speak. You see a lot of commercial brands selling spice blends and calling it curry powder but honestly it varies on who you ask or what country you're looking at a few of the more common ones include cumin turmeric coriander cardamom ginger fenugreek and chili powder but then there's still there's plenty other spices and seasonings that you can make a case for but like those are like you know those are the main ones that you add in if you really want to give things like the the curry essence so to speak
1: curry as a dish has been around for quite a while actually and by quite a while we mean there's archaeological evidence in pakistan of curry style like pastes dating back to oh let's see 2600 bc wow that's
0: so badass
1: like just imagine like these ancient peeps
0: just like grinding up curry spices with like these jagged gnarly old like mortar and pestle stones like they just taste it and they're like hey you think this stuff needs anything? And then someone else is like, nah, it's fucking perfect. We already nailed it. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but the word curry itself loosely translates to sauce for rice, which is actually really accurate. After all, like the best part about eating curry is that even after all the main chunks of meat and vegetables are gone, you're then left with like a big dish of tasty rice smothered with the leftover curry sauce. Uh, honestly, like, I could just totally sit down with a big bowl of rice and just a bunch of curry sauce on it, and I could not be happier. And unlike snooty ass Japanese food, where people talk shit about you for adding flavors to your rice, with curry, you're supposed to eat your rice with the sauce on top. Take that, Japan, one of my favorite countries.
1: <laughs> in the 1500s, meanwhile, with curry already a popular dish in Southern Asia, India was introduced to a few important ingredients for some of the more modern curries we have now. Portuguese traders brought over potatoes, chili peppers, and tomatoes. This paved the way for dishes like butter chicken, chicken piazza, and of course, chicken tikka masala.
0: This whole time, however, Indian people had already been preparing early versions of the, well, non-masala version of chicken tikka for a while now. Unfortunately, we we just couldn't find any like good solid research that pinpoints the origins of plain chicken tikka the one that's grilled because like basically every friggin' article ever written on the internet that contains the phrase chicken tikka is about chicken tikka masala (laughs) so like as we mentioned it like it's got this confusing disputed origin so everyone and their mom wants to cover it and every food like website on the planet wants to write an article and stuff Meanwhile, like regular old chicken tikka without the masala, it's it's non existent apparently. Really, like I, I hate to throw the towel in and just like say we, we couldn't figure it out, God, but like honestly at this point I I feel like we would need to learn Hindi before we could actually get a real answer on that.
1: Meanwhile, the cooking technique for regular chicken tikka baked in a tandoor oven has been around for quite a while, and by quite a while we mean there's archaeological evidence that for that dating back to let's see oh yeah 3000 bc damn india for the friggin win here like so many cultures out there had all these like
0: just sorts of like dog shit tier excuses for like early foods in ancient times but like like well all right so we made like a a custard with eggs and milk and but then you know we also just toss in some fish sauce and olives and grasshoppers and pebbles and rocks just uh you know just just to see how good it is Never had pebbles in my eggs before, so you know, might be good, you never know. Um, but meanwhile, India several thousand years ago was just like baking up these nice warm spicy meats the whole time. Jeez, good for them.
1: So speaking of, tandoors are a type of clay oven shaped like a big cylinder. They get loaded up with wood and charcoal, and the food inside is roasted at extremely high temperatures, sometimes as high as 900 degrees. In doing so, fats and other liquids from the food get rendered out quickly, which leaches into the firewood. As the wood burns, it re-releases the flavors of smoke, which just perfumes it with a nice curry fragrance, making it extra delicious.
0: Man, curry perfume? Man, that would be an amazing idea. Although, honestly, it sounds like the kind of thing that would just get, like, co-opted by, like, snooty idiots and be really expensive.
1: Probably. I mean, if you really want curry perfume, you can just eat some curry and not wear deodorant. Or cook curries all day and not shower. It's nature's perfume.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. You and your non-showering solutions to everyday problems. Um. Actually, you know what? You could never wear, like, curry-scented like scented perfume because, honestly, it'd be too delicious. Like, if you did, like, I'd just be too tempted to, like, eat you. Like, literally take a bite out of you. Like, I'd, I'd want to physically eat your flesh like it was a chicken leg or something. And I don't want to do that. I'm already in danger
1: with the coffee scented like
0: body wash I got recently. Yeah, I- I'm not quite ready to go cannibal, not quite yet, so we'll 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 see. But for now, no uh no no curry perfume.
1: I'll make sure to keep that away. <laughs> I like my arms intact. Mm. And- all... <laughs> anyway, chicken tikka is a type of tandoori chicken. So in the absence of some Good research mentioning its creation. We have to assume it's been around for at least a few centuries. It's a relatively simple dish, consisting of just chicken cut into cube pieces, marinated in yogurt and curry spices, then roasted in the aforementioned tandoors. Plain chicken tikka is incredibly popular in India and Pakistan to this very day. If you've never had it, well, just picture like the greatest barbecue chicken you've ever had, but also it's bright red and slightly dry on the outside.
0: Yeah, it's really weird. Chicken tikka it has like this magic ability to like somehow be like dry but like also moist at the same time it doesn't have sauce on it just like a marinates. but like the outside feels like nice and like charry and grilled but like the inside is like super juicy and moist it's it's sorcery i swear <laughs> anyway uh the basic chicken tikka version is you know basically what led the groundwork for chicken tikka masala later on with sauce But before we talk about that, we do need to look at an interesting cousin of chicken tikka masala that may have actually inspired the more modern dish. We're talking, of course, about butter chicken. So, butter chicken was actually invented in 1947 by chefs in an Indian restaurant called Moti Mahal, located in Delhi. Apparently, the chefs were looking for a way to recycle some already cooked chicken, and the solution they came up with was reheating it in a creamy tomato sauce. So, um, you know, if they recooked the chicken on a grill or an oven or something, they'd probably just dry it out. And, uh, you know, restaurants generally aren't too keen on heating shit up in the microwave. Well, you know, unless they want Gordon Ramsay to just, like, bust through the wall with a meat cleaver in his hand.
1: I also don't know if they even really had microwaves that much in 1947 yet. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's fair point as well, especially in in, uh, in India. Yeah. So.
1: Bilarly, though, no matter how you want to spin it, butter chicken really is effectively like a prototype for a chicken tikka masala. They're almost exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like, uh, as we covered, chicken tikka is a dish where you cook pieces of chicken in a creamy tomato sauce with onion, garlic, ginger, garam masala, and cumin. Meanwhile, butter chicken is a dish where you cook pieces of chicken in a creamy tomato sauce with butter, onion, garlic, ginger, garam masala, and cumin. Huh. Yeah. So, actually, I didn't really put two and two together until we wrote this episode, but honestly, butter chicken and tikka masala are they're really, really close to being the same friggin'
1: dish. There's certain nuances between the two that differentiate them, but honestly, unless you're some sort of like omnipotent Indian food wizard, it's very hard to tell the difference. Many restaurants will make one or the other and use the terms interchangeably, though technically it's incorrect.
0: Yeah, specifically, butter chicken is supposed to be creamier and lighter than chicken tikka, hence the name well, butter chicken. But, you know, they mostly use the same spices in their tomato sauce, though. Tikka is a bit more red-orange, while butter comes out a more, like, yellow-orange. Big difference, right?
1: Right. Um, Not to interrupt, but I feel like there's a typo in this next sentence I'm about to read. <laughs> no there's not no what vanilla chicken did we mention well
0: i don't know chicken tikka masala is also specifically starts with like you know plain vanilla version of chicken oh, tikka that, that kind that we of mentioned vanilla before. so i don't know like that version is just grilled or baked from like you know in a tandoor oven so the pieces get added back into the curry sauce you make to finish it up later meanwhile butter chicken it's you know it's basically the same process but the chicken is sauteed first instead of being grilled before being added to the sauce though actually in our research we did find some accounts that stated that that's not even always the case either since a lot of Indian chefs will just use tandoor chicken in their butter chicken as well so
1: I thought you meant vanilla like vanilla the flavor no I
0: didn't mean (laughs) well I mean there was that time we accidentally used vanilla flavored yogurt to marinate our chicken tikka
1: that's why I was confused this is why you need to pre-read things before uh yes this is why
0: you need to pre-read things before you speak them
1: well I don't know when I was reading in my head it was fine and then i went to go read it out loud and i was like wait a minute (laughs) anyway continue. (laughs) at the end
0: of the day look the lesson here by all accounts butter chicken it it really it predated chicken tikka by a few decades and chicken tikka masala didn't really seem to change much about it but that doesn't mean that it didn't take on a life of its own or it didn't also didn't prevent dozens of people from claiming that they invented it so because of that let's get nitty and let's get gritty because it's time to take a look at the history and development of today's topic So, like we mentioned earlier, the problem with covering chicken tiga's origin story is that there has been fierce debate as to who actually did create it.
1: As we established, butter chicken beats chicken tiga by a few decades, so at the end of the day, I almost wonder if it really matters? But still, most people still denote a difference between the two dishes, so it's worth at least giving it a look.
0: Yeah, so to start off, it seems like a lot of Indian people seem to think chicken tiga masala was invented in India.
1: Seems kind of fair since, you know, it's Indian food. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: one dude, Zaimuddin Ahmad, a chef at Kareem Hotel in Delhi, India, claims that the recipe for chicken tikka was passed down by his family for decades. Uh, Kareem's is apparently one of New Delhi's most famous restaurants. and opened all the way back in 1913, and it seems like they opened a few other restaurants under the banner Kareem Hotels. Uh, their M.O. seems basically to just be like, They want to serve food that's meant for royalty, but to the common man,
1: so that's cool. Yeah, noble. Unfortunately, we couldn't really find much in the way of documentation for this, one outside of a pile of articles that referenced the aforementioned Mr. Ahmad making the claim in response to Brits saying they invented the dish. We looked around to find something that was a first-hand account from him, but no... So, sorry, Karims. You're going to need to cough up a menu or something from the 50s if you want to get in on this debate. Yeah, uh, we saw
0: another source stating that Lala Kundan Lal Gurujral, who was a chef at Moti Mahal, which we mentioned earlier, uh, this was saying that he theoretically could have been the one to create the very first chicken tikka masala. After all, he invented butter chicken, which is practically the same thing, but again, just couldn't find any like real concrete evidence supporting this. Uh, again, it just seems like it was another retaliatory response from Indian people who are mad in England for trying to steal their ideas. Uh, honestly, like, I feel like a big problem with researching this episode is I'm sure there is a lot of like real solid, like, uh, documentation of it, but it's just in Hindi. It's in Indian.
1: Inaccessible to people who only speak english japanese and a little japanese and french and and italian Spanish,
0: yeah (laughs) so indian hindi is not uh one of our specialties so uh yeah i feel like if we did we might have gotten a little bit better research for this but oh well uh another claim for chicken tikka it comes from an indian lady named balbir singh apparently uh she was born in 1912 she seems like almost kind of like an early version of celebrity chef for the country of India. Like kind of like an Indian version of Rachel Ray, just, uh, you know, without greedily branching out into her own line of dog foods. Uh, you know, actually we shouldn't be mean to Rachel Ray cause, uh, her house just burned down.
1: That's like,
0: that's not a joke. Like her, her house literally burns to the ground in August. (laughs) oh fuck that sucks yeah but uh it just goes to show you like even like celebrities are, Im- you know they're not uh they're not even immune to like dumb shitty luck like that
1: hopefully her doggies were okay hopefully anyway mrs singh published a lot of articles and books related to traditional indian punjab cooking specifically she put out a book in 1961 named indian cookery which includes the recipe shahi chicken masala
0: yeah, so just for review, butter chicken is a chicken curry that uses tomato sauce and butter as a base with spices like ginger, garlic, cumin, and garam masala. Chicken tikka masala is a chicken curry that uses tomato sauce as a base with spices like ginger, garlic, cumin, and garam masala, but the chicken, you know, it's cut into little pieces. First. Now then, singh's shahi chicken masala is um... It's a chicken curry that uses tomato sauce as a base with spices like ginger, garlic, cumin, and garam masala. Okay, okay, but, but, shahi chicken masala uses whole chicken pieces instead of little pieces, so it's totally different enough, right? I I guess? Seriously, though,
1: this is becoming a real recurring theme here, to the point that it almost makes me not care about the specific origins of chicken tikka masala anymore. It's like saying, now hang on, we need to sort out the origins of emerald green shag carpeting specifically. I know green rugs have existed for a long time, and shag carpets are a thing. But specifically, we need to know who invented the very first emerald green shag carpet.
0: Asking the important questions here. Uh, Yeah, anyway, Mrs. Singh penned this recipe for uh, shahi chicken masala. She penned it in 1961, and, you know, it's pretty obviously inspired by butter chicken. They're very similar. And interestingly, though, it is the first written record we have in this whole chicken tikka mystery novel uh, that specifically uses the word masala, which is the Hindi word for a spice mixture. Actually, come to think of it, why the hell is chicken tikka masala called that? Like, if masala means spice mixture and not specifically a sauce, it seems kind of like it's doing a bad job of separating it from regular dry chicken tikka. But hey, look, I'ma stop right here because I'm not even going to pretend even for a millisecond that I understand the Hindi language. So uh, whatever, it's just just a thought.
1: Well, masala chai is tea and that's wet. So like maybe it means wet spices?
0: Maybe. Uh, Weirdly, there's some other sources that state... There are these two well-known food historians supposedly two well-known food historians colleen and peter grove and they uh they wrote a book they claim in this book that chicken tikka was likely a british invention but then they also specifically reference bob singh and uh like point the finger at her as possibly the inventor of that but first off like who the hell are these knuckleheads like they really can't be that well known i've never heard of them
1: I think they might just be, like, basically us if we published a book that got some journalism credentials. Hmm. A quick Google search states that they're also food critics.
0: Once again, never fucking heard of them. Uh, Or as food critics, either. (laughs)
1: Yeah, not much pops up except their book, The Flavors of History.
0: Well, either way, sorry, guys, but according to the almighty Wikipedia, Mrs. Singh studied in London, which is in Britain. Spoilers. (laughs) She studied in London, but then she traveled back to India before she wrote her cookbook that included that recipe for chicken masala. So, oh well, there goes that theory.
1: Anyway, the last and probably most popular explanation for chicken tikka masala's invention comes from Glasgow, Scotland.
0: Yeah, so, uh, right off the bat, like, our UK listeners are probably sitting around being like, right then, of course everybody knows that, but, like, everyone else, like, you're probably really confused, since when you think of Indian food and curry, your mind doesn't necessarily go to Scotland, the land of, well, haggis and bagpipes. Uh, interestingly enough, though, curry is, like, really damn popular in the UK, as we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, thanks to the strong relationship that England has shared with India over the last few centuries. And by strong relationship, I mean brutally conquering and colonizing them for a few centuries.
1: Yeah, in true British fashion, they seized control of India back around the turn of the 19th century and hung on to them for quite a while. In turn, a lot of Indian, Bangladeshi, and Pakistani culture and cuisine made its way back to the UK, who probably welcomed it with open arms since people were probably getting tired of seeing how many different calf organs they could turn into breakfast.
0: (laughs) Uh, at any rate, it's all good now, though, because India did gain its independence eventually, and, uh, British people, they just kept digging all the, like, yummy curry dishes that were popping up, so, uh, I guess it was a happy ending after all. Honestly, the, the role of Indian culture in British society, it's actually kind of similar to how much of the United States has come to embrace, like, you know, the Latino vibe that's brought over with immigrants from Mexico and, like, other South American countries. Like, the same way that you can, like, find, like, a shit ton of good Hispanic restaurants and burrito grills and places like New York and Florida and California, you can find loads of curry houses and restaurants in London and other parts of the UK. You know, actually, I just kind of thought about it now, but, like, how did so many Latino people end up moving up here to New York? Like, that's a fucking hike. Like, it's, it's really cold here, too. Like, I was thinking about how, like, you know, there's a lot of Mexican-American communities in, like, California, that makes sense, it's in the Southwest, like, well, part of it. Uh, You know, Texas, it's right on the border, Florida's, you know, kind of far away, but it's still nice and hot there, like much of Central America is.
1: Maybe they just wanted to make sure they had access to really good pizza. Hey,
0: you know, probably. I can't say I blame them. Hell, I'm not complaining either. I love me some festive Latino culture, and burritos are totally my jam. It just seems like a really far trip to end up in a place where you're going to freeze your ass off for half of the year.
1: Yeah. Anyway, let's bring it back to Chicken Tikka origins. So yeah, there's a lot of Indian and Bangladeshi restaurants in the UK, and specifically... There's one called Shish Mahal in Glasgow, Scotland.
0: Shish Mahal, yeah. I, I like the name. It's kind of funny, like uh, Shish Mahal. Like, kind of sounds like you're just like really fed up with the Hindi word for like a manner, like uh, Shish Mahal. All right, I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but really, the uh, the owner of Shish Mahal is a dude named Ali Ahmed Aslam, who's a Bangladeshi British gentleman, and he claims who invented the dish back in 1970. So, the story goes that one night, he was confronted by a customer who complained that his chicken tikka was too dry. Aslam brought the chicken back to the kitchen to try and figure out what to do. So, a pretty common practice in England is to, well, cover your food in massive amounts of gravy so you can't recognize it anymore. Probably because they cook a bunch of, like, shitty organs and weird, like, (laughs) calf stomachs and, like, blood sausages. Probably. Um, But, yeah, so... Because of the gravy thing, Aslam got an idea here. Supposedly, he was suffering stomach ulcers at the time, and he was eating mostly liquids to avoid stomach pain. As such, he had a bunch of tomato soup lying around for himself, so he decided the next best thing to do would be to pour the tomato soup onto the dry chicken tikka, mix it with some yogurt and spices, and then bring it out as a brand new dish. And apparently it worked because the customer liked the dish so much that he came back and requested it over and over and over again and the rest is well history all right so let me see here i got a few problems with this story so first off this is just like another classic example of some like some chef giving this like convoluted ludicrous explanation for how they just so happened to slapdash invent a beloved food by total accident it wasn't planned it wasn't on account of their like tremendous culinary knowledge and training no it was just conveniently they did some like wacky random thing one day by chance and it magically worked out
1: yeah <laughs> it reminds me of the pale vodka like origin like story possibility where that dude in New York City just so happened to have a glass of water lying around to water down his sauce, but uh uh-oh, that water actually happened to be vodka, and then he just so happened that he poured the, like, the water-slash-vodka in, and it caught on fire, and it just so happened, instead of, like, you know, taking this now-on-fire pasta back to the kitchen, or, like, hosing it off with a fire (laughs) extinguisher, he just, like, gave it to the customer and was like, here you go, enjoy, don't sue us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Ah, that's another parallel between uh, between oh, yeah, these uh, Penel vodka and uh, chicken tikka. But yeah, I don't know. I I just like I hate these kinds of stories. They they don't make sense. They're just they're just too damn convenient. Like I don't know. All right, for, for this story in particular about chicken tikka, one of the things I particularly don't buy is the idea that it was like this one in a million miracle shot where Aslam had his idea just because he was eating lots of tomato soup because of the stomach ulcers, like. If I could bring it down to a personal level for a second, I understand the plight of living with GERD, gastroenterial reflux disease, Uh, and, you know, changing your whole diet for stomach ailments and all that shit. Like, see, I spent maybe like two thirds of last year, 2019, suffering from chronic painful gastritis, which is, yeah, it's basically just like your entire stomach eats away at itself and becomes chemically burned and inflamed. It's kind of similar to ulcers, but instead of just like uh, one spot, your entire membrane gets inflamed. (laughs) So, you know, there were months at a time where I could, like, barely eat normal food, I had to alter my diet for quite a while, so, you know, I did a lot of research on it, I applied that with, like, the medical knowledge I had from being an EMT, and, uh, you know what food was, like, universally included on the DO NOT EAT THIS list? FUCKING TOMATOES! Yeah, they're, they're surprisingly acidic, and they frequently exacerbate stomach pains from acid reflux and gastritis and ulcers, uh... And, uh, you know, not just tomatoes, but specifically canned tomato sauces and soups, because the canning process intensifies the acidity of tomato products. So, yeah, super duper fucking fishy that this guy claims that the only reason he thought up the idea was because he was eating lots of tomato soup to accommodate his health condition, which is made worse by food like tomato soup. Weird.
1: It's almost like he was inspired by an older food that already existed. Maybe, perhaps, like, a curry dish that uses tomato sauce. Mm. Hmm. Like, maybe one with butter. And, hmm, chicken? Hmm. That's so weird.
0: Weird. What? Oh, so crazy. But, uh, like, look, look, don't get me wrong. I'm sure the guy did cook up some sort of dish for his crabby customer that night. And, but, you know, just, like, to pass it off with his against-the-odds superhero, like, origin story, like, that's just, like, that's just stupid. It's fantasy. I know you want a cooler press release to tell your fans than just like, yeah, this asshole said the meat was dry. So I made up like some kind of like sauce, like butter chicken and he liked it, but like, come on, this is just silly now.
1: So really it seems pretty plausible that Mr. Aslam invented chicken tikka masala. insofar as it's possible to invent a dish that's more or less been around for decades at the very least, it looks like he's the one to have named it and marketed it effectively.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the big takeaway from all this, like here's what seems like happened. Here's like the, the, too long didn't read version if you fell asleep or if you're just you know want a cheap and easy plot synopsis chicken tikka chicken tikka regular is a traditional indian dish of roasted and grilled chicken that's been around for you know quite a while in the 1940s an indian chef invented a new indian dish called butter chicken butter chicken got really popular and it started showing up in other countries on indian menus and then in the 1960s some other Indian chef wrote up a recipe that was, like, inspired by butter chicken, and it was only, like, marginally different, so she called it Chicken Masala. She studied in London, but she made her career in India. And then finally, in the 1970s, a Bangladeshi dude in Scotland started making a dish that seemed inspired by either Butter Chicken or Chicken Masala or both, and he titled it Chicken Tikka Masala, which then got really popular in the UK, and, you know, it got popular everywhere else as well.
1: So who invented chicken tikka masala? The world may never know. At the end of the day, probably Ali Ahmed Aslam in Scotland, but bearing in mind that chicken tikka masala is only marginally different from other Indian recipes that predated them. So yeah, he invented a dish that kind of already existed.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Let's let the Brits have this one. Their food doesn't really have much going for it at this point, so if they want to say it was invented in the UK, I ain't going to argue with them. It's basically like the British equivalent of like a crunch wrap. Crunch wraps sure as shit aren't an American food, but technically they were invented in America, so they're not exactly Mexican food either. So make of that what you will. It's the same thing. Chicken tikka masala ain't really like British food verbatim per se, but it was invented there, so yeah, it's basically it's it's fusion cooking.
1: Is fusion just code word for cultural appropriation? <laughs>
0: you don't want social justice warriors to take away crunch wraps and chicken tikka do you keep it on the down low uh all right that was some in-depth food sleuthing and this episode is running pretty damn long actually so um you know it wasn't quite as confusing as I was expecting to be when we first started researching it it's just the whole thing is just kind of dumb not so much confusing just just stupid
1: anyway obviously the story doesn't stop there because now it's time to get modern and see what chicken tikka has been up to in recent history
0: so unless you've been living under a large rock for the past couple decades you're probably aware that chicken tikka is one of the most popular curry dishes in the entire world like we said earlier it's you know it's one of the most popular restaurant dishes in the entirety of the united kingdom as well i know we like to joke around about how uh, british food is crappy but like look i'll give them credit they do like their curry and hey if you like curry you're good in my book
1: what if they're, like, an especially shitty person you can't stand, though, who also happens to like curry? Like, what if a sociopath who kills animals and hates video games? So, like, someone
0: in PETA? Well,
1: maybe, yeah. Like, what if the leader of PETA likes curries? Are they still good in your book?
0: Uh, they'd be, like, in the back of my book. Like, there'd be, like, a page all the way in the back titled People Who Are Irredeemable Shitbags With Decent Food Preferences But Still Fuck Them. Uh, but but seriously, PETA kills a ton of animals and uh, they do very little to help them. Look it up. Not a joke. It's really messed up. Fuck PETA.
1: Yeah. Support your local animal shelters and rescues, people. Don't support PETA.
0: Yeah. Speaking of messed up, though, uh, back in 2009, a Scottish member of Parliament was actually like uh, fighting to lobby and like uh, to grant Chicken Tikka Masala the protected geographical status from the European Union for, for Glasgow, Scotland.
1: So basically... When the European Union grants this status to a food, it's kind of like trademarking a food to an entire region or area. Like it's not quite the same as a trademark, but similar in that you need to have permission to call a food by whatever protected name it has. You see this a lot with cheeses, for example, like feta and gorgonzola and others. They all have to meet certain qualities and definitions set by the EU and need to be used with permission if you want to label a cheese as like that name like for example with feta if you if it doesn't meet the qualifications you legally can't refer to it as feta even if it totally is feta you have to call it like greek cheese or something
0: ah greek cheese the best cheese uh yeah like i i get what they're going for with like the the protected statuses but like you know they want to preserve the reputations of these foods and make sure they're not getting like whored out and like mislabeled like that's cool that's cool but like honestly i think it's also kind of stupid as a whole because i don't know from what I read, it causes a lot of issues in foreign trade. Lots of food producers outside of Europe assert that it basically just equates to like a European monopoly on certain foods that should, you know, rightfully be, I don't know, public domain. They should belong to the world. Like, honestly, the fact that you need to talk about food being quote-unquote public domain is really silly. But whatever, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other can of worms. That's a topic for another day.
1: Either way, as you can imagine, the possibility of this clearly Indian-based dish being monopolized by the European Union didn't really go over too well with actual indian people who feel like they have a stake in it
0: yeah i I can't say i blame them because like it basically be like if you were an artist and you drew like a really cool character and then you show it to their friend and they just like take that character and just like change the color of the hair and like photoshop a hat onto it and they're just like bam they get a deal with netflix and then when you ask your friend if you could like you know at least keep drawing your character a fucking swat team of lawyers just starts like busting through your windows and like hitting you and cramming legal notices into your ass
1: <laughs> needless to say the motion didn't make it very far and never even made it to the debating stage in british parliament so yeah totally fair
0: Honestly, you know, if Britain wants to claim it was invented in the UK, like, that's fine, like, you know, it was, but giving it protected legal status, like, you know, it's a dish with such overtly strong inspiration from another country, eh, now you're getting pretty close to, like, crossing a real shitty line. Like, I don't know, you know, especially considering India's probably still just a a bit sore about that whole, you know, Britain conquering and controlling them for two and a half centuries. (laughs) like i don't know like the protected geographic status makes sense for like some specific foods i guess but like it's it's pretty well established that chicken tikka masala is incredibly similar to several other types of curries. so like what's the point i mean hell one time i put potato chips in a burrito just for shits and giggles should i then get geographical protection for it just in case taco bell decides to market the old new crunchy chip burrito blaster like menu item <laughs> get out of here
1: Either way, it seems like we ended up with the best outcome, where the UK still gets to call it a British favorite dish, but everyone else in the world still gets to make it without the European Union frothing at the mouth.
0: Yeah, really. At the end of the day, like, come
1: on, do you really want to make it so that less people get to have chicken tikka masala? On that note, chicken tikka masala really is that popular, though. You could find it in just about any Indian or Pakistani restaurant in the world. It's estimated that there's close to 20,000 curry houses in England in modern day. And London specifically has even more Indian restaurants than New Delhi and Mumbai combined. That's crazy. Uh,
0: yeah, chicken tikka masala was even rated the most popular dish in Britain for like a really long time. Uh, I think I read it was like a couple of decades until it was just like dethroned a few years ago by, well, surprise, surprise, another curry, uh, chicken korma
1: curry is so popular in the uk it was even featured as a special power-up in pokemon sword and shield which takes place in a region that's basically just the pokemon universe version of england they made an entire mini game about cooking curry
0: yeah although those games actually kind of sucked so (laughs) i kind of feel bad for britain like imagine finding out they like they based all these games on like japanese region to new york city and france and hawaii and then it's, it's finally your chance it's it's uh you know like it's gonna be you they're making pokemon britain and then it just ends up as like one of the most controversial disliked entries in the entire franchise uh sad still though like it's interesting to think about like you could see like just how like entwined curry has gotten into british culture that like even a japanese video game developer is associating them with it it's kind of cool
1: yeah besides restaurants there's also tons of brands out there that now sell pre-made tikka masala sauce at grocery stores so you don't have to worry about putting together the laundry list of like 30 ingredients to make it at home
0: yeah because of that chicken tikka is just kind of like it's reached that like sort of food tier kind of like we mentioned in the s'mores episode where it's just like it's used as a flavor variety for other foods like chicken tikka sandwiches like you know that's a thing like you can see some places making chicken tikka pizzas tikka masala soup is a thing uh, actually, a few years back, Lay's potato chips even featured a limited edition flavor called Indian Tika Masala. You know, we actually reviewed them on com at that time. Um, from what I remember, they they tasted like vaguely curry-like with a little bit of heat, but they didn't quite capture the real essence of chicken tikka. They were yummy, but I don't know. Like, just if they just called them, like, Indian curry flavor, that probably would have been more effective and, like, I don't know, more honest. But, uh... I guess because it was, like, in smack dab in the middle of that whole period for a few years where food brands were just, like, constantly trying to, like, outdo each other with wacky, unexpected, limited-edition flavors, so they really needed to ham it up.
1: Seriously, you remember when Oreos made a freaking Swedish Fish Edition Oreo? What was that about? Ugh,
0: yeah, I, I don't miss those times. Like, oh, boy, watermelon Oreos, just what I always wanted, a nice, crunchy chocolate wafer or vanilla wafer with watermelon. Yeah, they'll go perfect with my Sour Patch Kids chocolate chip chips Ahoy cookies.
1: What awesome flavors will they think of next? Caviar-flavored Nutter Butters? Chalupa Toast Crunch?
0: Ooh, how about drugstore-flavored Oreos? Or gasoline? Or shoe? Mmm, nothing like a nice shoe-flavored cookie. Mm-mm.
1: Charlie would probably agree with that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> be number one with dogs. <laughs> Except, uh, they die because it's chocolate. Oh, yeah. So it would be number zero.
1: <laughs> anyway, they probably had to give it a name that would really grab attention. So we ended up with Indian Tikka Masala? Actually, back then, Lays had an entire special edition line of international-inspired potato chips or potato crisps for all our UK listeners.
0: Uh, I don't think we have any UK listeners left after making fun of their food this whole episode. Um, If you are, though, thank you, and um, please forgive us. Uh, anyway, yeah, they, um, Lay's potato chips, they had a few other flavors in this, like, passport to flavor line. Like, uh, they had a Brazilian one, like a Chinese Szechuan chicken, and...
1: <sighs> yeah, so, like, we're actually still a little salty about this. We entered their Do Us a Flavor contest several times, suggesting Tzatziki Sauce Gyro as a new flavor, and, like, we had a whole campaign on our website about it, telling people to go vote for it, and yet never, never made it into contention. Then, like, a year later, they introduced the exact flavor in their international flavors alongside with these chicken tikka chips. Mm. I guess when they said, do us a flavor slash favor, they legitimately meant, hey, guys, do us a favor and suggest ideas for us so we can steal them from you.
0: Fuck them. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, long story short, uh, it's for the best, again, that European Union never really like committed the food version of a YouTube copyright claim on Chicken Tika, because uh, otherwise we wouldn't have all these like cool different varieties of food featuring it. That said, though, it's actually not all good news for Chicken Tika, because uh, much like motorcycles and freedom of speech, millennials seem to be slowly killing it off. Following the initial shockwaves created by the whole uh, Great Britain exiting the European Union, or as everyone and their mom refers to it now, Brexit, uh, they had like changes in immigration policy that made it more difficult for a lot of Indian and Bangladeshi-owned uh, curry houses to get skilled help from their home countries due to like changes in like visa rates and other immigration charges and stuff.
1: For some time, econo- economists were estimating that possibly half of London's curry houses could end up closing. However, several years later, with Brexit close to being completed, food experts are saying otherwise. Akhtar Islam, a Michelin-rated restaurateur in Birmingham, makes the point that younger generations are much more health-conscious about the foods that they eat compared to their parents. As such, rich, thick curries like chicken tikka don't seem to appeal to them, as well as more modern, lighter takes on Indian food in the UK. This isn't just his take either a few sources we found on the subject show that a lot of indian and bangladeshi chefs are noticing this trend
0: yeah uh before brexit between 2012 and 2016 over 2000 curry houses closed in the united kingdom experts from the asian catering foundation estimate that as many as 17000 more indian restaurants could close over the next 10 years you know, it's not even necessarily that Indian and Southern Asian food isn't popular anymore, it's the contrary, because like, there's newer, more modern Indian restaurants popping up, and they appear to be doing really well in the country.
1: Instead, a lot of major UK chefs seem to agree that the clean eating movement is causing people to leave richer, creamy dishes like chicken tikka behind and gravitate towards healthier options, or I guess in this case, you know, what appears to be healthier.
0: Yeah, Indian food is still popular, but now like young chefs are creating these like hip new street foods that are lighter and more attractive to stupid 20-somethings that are, you know, more worried about how good their meal will look on in Instagram than, you know, how the food tastes. Ooh, you know, it's hard to get good lighting pop on this curry. Throw it in the trash and make me something with more texture. That'll drum up more likes oh, uh, and by the way, please like and follow us on Instagram, please, (laughs) uh, yeah, but honestly, this is really stupid, cause, like, as far as I can glean, like, uh, nothing about chicken tikka masala or, like, similar curries is really, strikes me as unhealthy, like, it's grilled chicken pieces in a spicy tomato sauce, on what planet is that bad for you? Like, okay, it's got some cream and some yogurt in it, but, like, it's pretty well demonstrated at this point that full-fat dairy, like, cream and yogurt are, like, either not actually bad for you, as like some nutritionists used to suggest, or hell, they just may even flat out be good for you when you eat them in normal amounts.
1: Are you telling me butter is a health food?
0: Well, from what I was able to research, kind of, a lot of nutritional studies now suggest that a diet which regularly includes full-fat dairy may actually be pretty good for you since it contains a lot of vital nutrients in dense concentrations for any amount, and uh they may even promote better heart health to lower your overall mortality but let's not go that far let's not say butter is a health food since you know we don't need to record another disclaimer this episode uh you know telling people to not shove fistfuls of butter into their mouths hoping to lose weight we're not big enough to have a legal team quite yet but seriously unless you're like allergic or like intolerant there's nothing inherently bad about eating dairy Suggesting that curry is unhealthy because it includes cream is basically just fan fiction written by vegans. You want to argue about the environmental impacts of the dairy industry? Well, you know, then you got an actual point, you got a case there, but like, that doesn't seem to be what's at play here. But whatever, I'm gonna choose to ignore that because, well, you know, ice cream is too damn tasty to live without. But really, like, it's not necessarily millennials specifically killing off chicken tikka masala. I guess we don't entirely have to foot the blame here ourselves.
1: Is there anything millennials aren't going to get accused of killing? I read an article once that said we were killing off doorbells. Doorbells, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, to be
0: fair, as a kid before I moved out, like when I lived with my parents, I was like, I totally remember just being like a shitty 19 year old, like lazy piece of shit. Whenever someone rang the doorbell, I just would pretend I didn't hear it because uh, I was a lazy fuck.
1: I think the article was saying it's because now we don't ring doorbells. We just like arrive at someone's house and like text them that we're there to get them to come out.
0: Um, I guess that's fair, but is the doorbell Yeah, like is there even a doorbell really?
1: industry? Yeah. Like they just come on houses, yeah. and then like that's it. That's, that's, that's a that's good it.
0: point. Like what house? <laughs> Who buys a house and there's no doorbell on it already? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Insert your uh, Senor Ding Dong I was about reference to, say, there's to no The no Simpsons. If there's no if doorbell, there's no Senor doorbell. Issue, no <laughs> <like senior> doorbell. <laughs> if you ever need me, just ring. <laughs> um anyway uh yeah it's uh so it's it's not just like millennials or like young people exclusively but it's just like it's just gullible health nuts in general like they just happen to frequently be younger people who are hyper aware of what they eat but like you know there's plenty of old people like old crunchy like aging hippies that just like whoa i'm not putting that in my body uh but yeah like just just people that like legitimately think that like corn is a junk food (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, imagine not eating corn. Like, what the hell? Imagine being that stupid and miserable and empty.
0: Ugh, holy ass. No thanks.
1: So that's another strike in the column for, wow, making chicken teak is geographically protected in England was a stupid idea. Really, glad that didn't go anywhere. Imagine if it
0: did, though. Like, imagine if they gave it protected geographic status in, like, the UK in, like, the late 2000s. But like 25 years later no one even likes it anymore what a fucking beautiful dose of ironic karma that would be like they make this food exclusively regulated and defined by this one region who then turns around and says like like you know i wouldn't put that in my body it's like a major glycemic nightmare and it's like really lacking in phytonutrients you know
1: yeah it would be funny if the region responsible were defining it and giving permission to manufacture it didn't even eat it anymore yep
0: Besides,
1: why would you want some nasty,
0: gross curry when you could have a, a much leaner, healthier, traditional British food like jellied eels? Ah, jellied eels. It's exactly what it sounds like. Chopped up freshwater fish, perpetually covered in slime, living at the bottom of the River Thames. You know, they spend quite a lot of time buried in the mud. mm so scrumpty you see the key is to use your pair of fish pliers to peel approximately one inch of the thick gelatinous skin off the little bugger's heads you're gonna boil the lot of them long enough to release all those natural collagens and proteins to create a nice thick salty gel with a proper gelatinous consistency make sure you're shocking properly though mate and after you've got a nice fishy set gel serve them up with a nice spot of malt vinegar just be careful of the bones when you're tucking though they're jagged little blighters, they are might nick yourself while you're chewing. Mm-mm-mm. Fine British cuisine. <laughs> uh, that about wraps it up for today's main course, though. Hope you guys save room, as always, for some dessert.
1: Oh. Wow, how How is this episode so long? I don't know. It's bedtime, and we still have another section to do. Yeah,
0: well, it's a new section, so hopefully everybody likes it. We got a new round here it's called poor taste so poor taste is where we take a look at food news events stories and other reports that just plain left a bad taste in our mouths we live in the age of information and it's never been easier to find out just how many stupid fucks are out there especially when it comes to food so we'll give you a rundown of any number of topics usually food ones that we found to be cringe-inducing truly bizarre or just generally in poor taste
1: yeah, after uh, after your description of some of those British foods, I don't think we could do... I don't think our listeners would want another shitty old recipe. <laughs> yeah, they've... They've been through enough. <laughs> we've suffered
0: enough. So, this first story that we found was uh, Taco Bell's apparently selling a jalapeno noir red wine that's available for delivery in some areas... And this is like hot off the presses. This is from September fourteenth, two thousand twenty. That's from two days ago. So
1: yeah, I googled th- like food news to find it. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is this is ongoing. This is uh this is the thing we're right in the middle of. Taco Bell is uh yeah they're they're creating wine. Taco Bell branded wine. Um, as if we couldn't hate wine more. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm already super jaded when it comes to wine, wine culture, winos, and ugh. <laughs> it's wine o'clock winos oh god i can't stand that shit
1: sorry the internet is still not working on the tablet so i can't actually access the link right now
0: oh jeez. that's why i'm switching over to phone that's a problem yep um, give me a minute <laughs> yeah so our our is continues totally fucked up but like honestly continue to rant about wine. my my first reaction to this at first was kind of like huh you know like i kind of like jalapenos and peppers and stuff so like a pepper wine? Like, that kind of sounds interesting. So, at first I was like, yeah, all right. But then, like, I thought about it more, and I realized this isn't really targeted at me. It's... <laughs> what?
1: A wine targeted at you? No wines are targeted at us. Yeah, well, is apple wine a thing? I don't know. There's if it is, cider. it's it's just called cider. Yeah. that's
0: yeah, it's fan- But yeah, like, I don't know, like, like I said, like, at first I was kind of intrigued, like, I don't know, like, jalapeno wine sounds cool, but then I realized, like, you know what the target demographic of this is? It's, like, the just, like, basic, but still really trashy, like, young idiots, like, the kind of chuckle fucks who just would unironically tell you their Valentine's Day plans are to, like, open a bottle of Barefoot Red and go get Taco Bell so they could binge the latest season of Kardashians or (laughs) fucking something stupid like that. Or
1: for the girlfriends of just, like... The neck beards. Oh, yeah. All the <laughs> like
0: all the like neck beards. Like, they like all the like, well, first of all, like the few of them yeah. that do have girlfriends, like they need something to do while their like boyfriends are fucking like, uh, I don't know. I don't even, you know, honestly, I was going to say like they were doing like, uh, like Yu Gi Oh tournaments and shit, but I don't even know if they do that anymore. They probably do. But like, you know, while they're off playing like Warhammer 4K and shit, like, Girls gotta do some too, so why not have ladies' night and just like order all the like greasy, shitty Taco Bell food but pair it with a delicious red to go with it? Uh, yeah, apparently it's, um, you can order it online in, uh. Is this su- in Canada? Yeah, right weirdly now. it's in Canada because this totally seems like a thing that super trashy Americans would be into, but. Maybe they're testing it out there because like they know they would just yeah. sell out immediately yeah. here for all the like, like chuckle fucks. They're just like, oh boy, Bell wine.
1: Like if we can do make it in Canada, it'll be a super hit. Yeah, in the exactly. US.
0: If they can if it can prove itself there. Uh apparently it goes out September 16th. It's got notes of wild strawberry, cherry, and beetroot according to a taco bell spokesperson which is kind of <laughs> weird because beetroot is generally used for color and not flavor so if there's a note of beetroot that mm-hmm. doesn't sound particularly yummy
1: i was just gonna say i never believe any of those like things where it's like yeah. oh, this wine has hints of this thing and that thing it's yeah. like i don't know it all just tastes like bad grape
0: juice to yeah me. if you if you brought me like the world's like leading authority like the the, the oldest most french old man and just have him be like describe it like, it has it's, 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 it's vanilla and chocolate. I, like, fucking, I, I'm not prepared to do a French accent right now. Uh, but like, and had him describe all this like pretentious shit to me, I would laugh at him. When a Taco Bell spokesperson <laughs> says that to me, I would f- laugh at them and then probably punch them in the face because fuck this shit. Uh, apparently, they, uh, the brand suggests drinking it with the Toasty Cheesy Chalupa, which uh, features a six-month-aged sharp cheddar cheese, which...
1: Who needs a fancy ass chalupa? Um, I just want a regular ass greasy fried chalupa to shove into my face.
0: Yeah, like just no regret. Just get it inside. <laughs> I don't care how bad it is. Just <laughs> like uh, honestly, like eating Taco Bell for me, I kind of it fills the same void in my heart that I watch with like or that I have with like watching like R rated like animes, <laughs> where it's like, you know what i just want to be a monster i just want to watch a cartoon with like some like like 18 year old girls with like their titties hanging out and stuff and just turn my brain off and feel like a piece of garbage <laughs> similarly uh i just want to like take this like really bad low quality food that costs like 75 cents i just like shoved a fist of pocket change into like the cashier and like they handed me like the world's flattest smallest greasiest burrito and i just go and i'm just like i don't care put it in me oh man honestly like lately like so i mentioned that i had gastritis last year and i suffer from chronic gerd so like acid reflux taco bell for me the the like besides comparing it to like anime hentai and shit besides that besides that gem of a comparison Um, I also, the other spot that Taco Bell holds for me is basically a position of defeat (laughs) because for me, my gastritis, like in my acid reflux, it manifests a lot when I don't have food for a long time. So like, basically if I go like, I don't know, I usually breakfast like eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And then so like, if I don't have food by like four o'clock, sometimes like, I will get really bad stomach pains. So what I'll do is if I know I got a long workday ahead of me and like a long route and I know I'm not going to get home soon, I basically am just like, all right, I give up. <laughs> you win, world. I'll go to Taco Bell. Just because like <sighs> the way I used to rationalize Taco Bell when I was like 20 was like, well, it's probably the best for you or the least bad for you, fast food. Uh, so now I still kind of attach to that, but mostly I'm just like – it's cheap and it's food and like it's not McDonald's because fuck McDonald's so, yeah. So for me, Taco Bell is mostly just like I give up. That's what Taco Bell means to me. I was just
1: gonna say I'm sure you're not the only person who's paired Taco Bell and hentai.
0: That's true. <laughs> um, there's probably a lot of people that do it like way more literally. Uh, like as in like that's just a daily occurrence day. for them. That's yeah. That's their hot Friday night is like I got I got my. <laughs> So I got my bag full of burritos, I got whole season of high school DXD, go. Oh my god. Listeners, for the sake of saving my fucking reputation, I don't watch hentai that often. Maybe just as a novelty when we're trying to fall asleep on Saturday nights.
1: Just and I'm already asleep.
0: <laughs> you've been awake, you've watched some episodes of Senran Kagura with me.
1: Barely. It's, it's
0: stupid, it's it stupid is. dumb fun, so... Yeah, never watched it while eating Taco Bell, though. So, uh, not that big of a monster. So, uh,
1: <laughs> So, wait, going back to, like, the wine, though, is it actually, like, gonna be spicy? I don't think so, because it doesn't say
0: anything about it being spicy in this article that we found. I think it's just... it. Either they, like, just made it without, like, the capsaicin or the seeds or whatever that makes it spicy, or they, uh... I don't know. They just, like are calling it jalapeno noir because everyone's like, oh, Taco Bell, jalapeno. I know that. That's a yeah, pepper that's that I goes in burritos. Like, that's probably what it is. Like, yeah. they're marketing it to stupid morons. Stupid morons probably think that, like, jalapeno is actually in Taco Bell food, and uh, there you go. <laughs> I think was, they might put jalapenos on, like, nachos, but, like, the yeah. jalapenos they use are, like, like yellow-green it's, and, like, look like they've been sitting on a shelf since, like, the Reagan administration. <laughs> and so,
1: ugh. going to say, like, There's already, like, so many jokes about, like, Taco Bell and, like, just, like, blasting through your ass. So then if you're also drinking (laughs) spicy wine with it, like, oh, boy. That's –
0: you know what? It's going to be a big hit for all the basic bitches and, like, the the crunchy basic bitches because they're going to be, like, this is the latest new cleanse. You eat Taco (laughs) Bell, which is bad for you and it's toxic, and then you flush it out and cleanse your body and detox by having your ass blasted by jalapeno noir spice wine. (laughs) Oh, God. Enough of this. Check, please. Well, that should wrap it up for this week's edition of Poor Couple's Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast. Remember, we are in fact the only podcast left where you're left more likely to learn about cereal than cereal killers. It's
1: leak, people. <laughs> <laughs> Search recipes, cooking tips, and other cool stuff on our website, poorcouplesfoodguide.com. And don't forget, you can always write to us at mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com to ask for any food advice that you may need.
0: You could also send in any comments, feedback, criticism, hate mail, love mail, chain letters, postcards, and whatever random pondering should pass your mind. Once again, that's poorcoublesfoodguide.com. Uh, mail at port... I'm falling asleep here. Holy shit. It's almost midnight, guys. Uh, once again, e- email us at... You know Don't email us. Just hit us up on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. Bye.
1: While you're at it, try to give us some ratings and reviews on whatever podcast platform you're using. Apparently, it really helps us gain traction and exposure, which is great, while we try to build our audience. Hell, even big famous podcasters ask their audiences to do it, so it must be helpful to some degree. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at one of the most popular
0: foods in America, perhaps. Speaking of Taco Bell, you might find it on their menu pretty frequently as well. It Although, comes... who knows? They've been gutting their <laughs> their menu lately. That's true. Who knows? Uh, the word for it, the name for it, comes from a Spanish word that means donkey or little donkey. Think you know what it is? uh, guess in the comments, or send us an email, or just
1: do do one of the things we said before. (laughs) Do
0: one of the things, give us a guess on social media, and if you get it right, we'll give you a great big shout-out in a future episode. Until then, we bid you all a good day and good eat, so stay hungry and keep feeding that brain.
1: And tummy! We still need to get food for the pitcher plant. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Like I said, if you want, we could get, like, just real gruesome, buy a cricket and just cut its legs off.
1: I'd rather just get, like, I don't know.
0: Bear in mind- Can he- you
1: buy, like, three
0: mule worms or whatever? Yeah, you could buy just a couple of them, or you could buy, like, ten of them and just give the rest to, like, I don't know, the dog or something. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say dubia roaches. So I'm like, if you walked into Jungle Bob and <laughs> asked for, like, three dubia roaches, they'd probably be like, get the hell out of my store. <laughs>